Welcome to the Legal Download Podcast, a rundown of the latest issues impacting your business from Kelly Dry. Good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Legal Download, where we'll be discussing search warrants. I'm joined today by Jamie Nowaday. She is the chair of Kelly Dry and Warren's White Collar Practice Group. She's based out of New York. Also with me today is Mark Pohl. He's the president and founder of the Pohl Group. He's also a former federal agent and will share with us some of his experiences in that role. My name is Matt Luzatter. I'm the managing partner of the Chicago office, and I practice in the area of internal investigations, compliance, also labor and employment, and some commercial litigation. Welcome, Jamie. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I understand that you guys have worked on uh, some cases together, sort of on both sides of the fence. That's right. So as I mentioned in part one of the podcast, uh, Mark and I worked uh, cases together when I was in AUSA, and he was an agent. And um, so we might be drawing on some of those experiences. And and since we both moved into private practice, we've uh, jointly worked cases on the defense side as well, uh, representing companies against criminal investigation. So Mark, let me start out by asking you here, how do agents choose when to execute a search warrant? Right. So it's a bit of a complicated question, but I think in general, um, agents will pursue a a search warrant when they become pretty convinced uh, that there is wrongdoing and that the case is is worth pursuing on on a criminal uh, indictment pathway. Um, I think that uh, a couple of things that people should know about search warrants, uh, one is that there's no obligation on the part of the government to utilize less invasive techniques to to uh, prove their case. And so they don't have to walk from, for example, uh, document subpoenas to testimony and then uh, eventually to a search warrant. The government could elect if it has enough information to pass a probable cause standard uh, to request a search warrant, uh, to do an affidavit, and then to conduct a search warrant on their particular uh, subject. And so I think that's a key part in uh, that, that people should know if they own a company, if someone's knocking on the door with a warrant, uh, there can be a variety of different uh, factors that led to that. But I will say uh, one thing that's for sure that if a warrant happens, the government is pretty sure of itself at that point uh, that criminal wrongdoing has happened. So, Jamie, let me, let me turn to you. An agent shows up with a search warrant. What's the first step? Mark just said that they're pretty sure some criminal wrongdoing has occurred. Right. So the first step by the company should be to call outside counsel so that someone can come onto the premises as soon as possible. Um, you know, there's there's only so much anyone can do on the day of a search warrant. The agents are allowed to come in and take items within the scope of the search warrant. So it's not as if you can delay the search. Sometimes people ask whether, you know, the agents can come back later in the day they're just not going to do that. I mean, they're authorized to be there um, and they're going to proceed that day with the search warrant. So there isn't a way to to stop the search once they show up uh, with a proper warrant, but you want to be there to control what you can. If they exceed the scope of the search warrant, for instance, you can point that out to the agents. Uh, even there, there's only so much you can do. Your ultimate remedy, if they exceed the scope of the warrant, is going to be with the court and filing a motion to suppress items and evidence that was taken that was beyond the scope of the warrant. But you want to be there to um, observe what happens, to send the employees home, to disrupt 
are, you know, or not disrupt, but well, yes, stop employee interviews uh, from happening uh, without the presence of counsel. So you just you want to be there to control the interview process um, and make sure that the search and evidence collection process essentially goes smoothly because your goal, given that you can't stop the search, is to have it uh, proceed as smoothly and efficiently as possible so that the agents can leave the premises as quickly as possible. So, Mark, will you walk us through the search warrant etiquette or protocols that agents should follow and what happens if they don't follow those protocols? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to go back uh, to what Jamie was saying and kind of tack on to that a bit, um, you know, agents, when, when they show up at the search warrant site, uh, there will be a leadership team uh, that will emerge at the site. And that leadership team will engage primarily with whoever the, the highest ranking personnel at that company are. And so... Uh, as, as a leader of a company, um, obviously your first step would be to contact counsel and to advise as to what's happening at the company and uh, to get someone on site to engage with this leadership team so that agreements can be reached about um, things like um, uh, oftentimes uh, in these warrant situations, the company has an interest in retaining certain items that the government may also want. And so in certain instances, the government may want uh, all of the all purchase orders related to certain uh, uh, manufacturing of certain products. And so the company at the conclusion of the warrant needs to continue its business. And so there are situations where uh, the, uh, the company leadership and, and counsel can engage with that leadership team to work through issues where both parties have a legitimate interest in obtaining or retaining uh, certain types of records. And so I think when you talk about etiquette, I think that the best course of action is to develop uh, a positive relationship, if at all possible, and a rapport with that leadership team so that uh, what can be worked through is worked through in a productive way. And, uh, and so that uh, the posture, view, the viewpoint from the government is that the posture at the company was cooperative. So that brings you to locked file cabinets or locked doors. Is the company under an obligation to unlock those file cabinets and doors? Right, Matt. That's a great question. I, I think there's uh, almost every warrant that I that I've been involved in, and over my 25 year career, somewhere north of 100 search warrants that, that I've conducted. Um, what what normally happens? Uh, the, the warrant will cover uh, specifically certain areas within a business or a home to be searched, and so. If there's a file cabinet or a door locked in the house where the warrant does cover that, that space, that uh, premises, then uh, the, the agents are going to search that location. In fact, it would be uh, negligent if they didn't, given that they have a warrant to do so. And so, you know, there, there will likely be a request uh, for the company or the person there to open a file cabinet or to use a key to open a door. They're not obligated to do that, but they also need to understand that the agents may be forced into a position to break break those doors down or to take a screwdriver or something like that and open a file cabinet. And, and those, those go back to what I was talking about earlier about rapport and working with the leadership team. That's not a productive stance for either party to get involved in. And, it, you know, if the, if the warrant uh, does legitimately call for certain spaces to be searched, um, as Jamie pointed out, this is not the time to fight whether or not that's accurate, uh, th those fights could come later uh, through your attorney and through the court system. So let's talk about an area where there may be some, some potential for conflict around talking to employees. If I'm running a business, can I prevent the, the employees from talking to the agents? 
can the same lawyer represent all of them when they're on the scene? Well, it, it sort of depends who the, the you is. So you as sort of a corporate officer can't stop the employees from speaking with the agents. But that's why if the agent shows up, the best course of action is to release the employees for the day, send them home, advise anyone who hasn't yet come into the office that there's no need to come into the office that day. Um, but outside counsel should contact uh, both the agent and the US, the AUSA and ask that the interviews um, be stopped or that they, you know, never, if they've already begun or they, if they haven't yet begun, that they, they don't begin, um, you know, on the grounds that the attorney represents the company and the individual employees. And of course, there, there is a, a tricky situation there because realistically, you can't represent the company and every individual employee. However, you also can't realistically get separate counsel uh, in the heat of a search warrant um, you know, while this is all proceeding, it's just not realistic to retain separate counsel for these people. So how this plays out really depends on, you know, the individual personalities involved and also where you are and what, um, you know, what the relevant rules are in that jurisdiction. Um, so it's often the case that the interviews will be discontinued, but sometimes um, the AUSA will say, no, I'm going to direct my agents to, to continue. And you can take that fight up later on with the court. Um, and I'm I'm curious how this has played out for Mark as well when those instructions have come from from defense counsel. Yeah, Jamie, you're right on point with that. Uh, my experience has been, and I've worked in many many different federal jurisdictions. Uh, the district, the federal district in which you work, there there are a lot of different norms, and so uh, it's not a question that can be asked across the board, answered across the board. I think what the important takeaway is in terms of uh, employee interviews is that in some jurisdictions, uh, the district has case law that uh, protects uh, uh, individuals from being interviewed at all in uh, these types of situations and will allow uh, a single defense attorney to invoke their right to represent uh, the entire company, including all of its employees. In other districts, the, 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 uh, the customs are different. And in other districts, uh, U.S. attorneys uh, will will prevent uh, lawyers from representing uh, essentially the company, its officers, and all of the employees, and will allow those interviews to continue until and, and uh, until a point at which uh, some other attorney enters the picture who represents the employees, and that the employees themselves have have accepted that representation. And so, uh, it's not a one size fits all. Uh, those can they, those can vary, and they do vary over uh, different federal districts. Uh, but I think in practice, uh, it, it is important to try, uh, from a defense standpoint, uh, to limit and and to stop the interviews that are going on uh, at the premises as soon as possible. So, what happens in the aftermath of the search warrant? So, in the aftermath, defense, the short answer is defense counsel is usually playing catch up because search warrants often hit when the target company has no idea that it was even under investigation. Um, and if that's the case, then you know basically you're in a position as defense counsel of conducting an internal investigation as quickly as possible. So you want to look at the same material that the government has taken so you know what they're looking at. And to the extent that employee interviews did take place, you want to interview anyone the agents um, also interviewed or spoke to so you know what exactly they were asking about and what the employees said. 
Um, and the, the search warrant is obviously a far more serious step than a subpoena. As we talked about, it's authorized by a judge after showing that there's you know, probable cause that a crime's being committed. So when you reach that stage, charges are a lot more likely and you have to move quickly if you want to stave off an indictment. And I think to add on to that, I think uh, in a case that Jamie and I worked on on uh, the civil side uh, here, I'm sorry, on the defense side um, recently, I think uh, the other part that happens in the aftermath is is the return of equipment. And so the government sometimes is put into a position, especially if there are servers or um, things with a lot of data on them. Uh, the government may either stay on site and download all of that data, which can take a lot of time, or there can be an agreement reached where the government can basically disconnect hard drives and computers, take those with them, do the imaging, and return that property back to um, to uh, the company. And so uh, one of the things that I was able to help with is to interface with those agents on, on the equipment return make sure that the equipment is coming back to the company in, in the, the proper shape and that uh, it's signed off on and the, that the company's allowed to re- or able to reinstall that equipment and get back to functionality. So a search warrant causes panic. To wrap up here, what can companies do to man- minimize that, that panic that may occur uh, with, with the execution of a search warrant? Well, I would say that the, the panic comes not only that day, but in the days that follow. Uh, as the search warrant is very often ends up being a press event. If, you know, 30, 40 agents suddenly show up in an office building, it's going to be picked up um, by the press. And in the days that follow, business customers and counterparties are likely going to be asking what happened. There'll be concerns about reputational fallout. So the search warrant day is sort of a triage day, and it's important that the company have a plan for that, even if they think, you know, it's never going to happen to them. That's what every company thinks. But you should have a, you know, a basic day of plan of who to call and how to manage the employees on that day. And also a plan for the days that that follow. So you have a day of plan and you have a day after plan in terms of playing catch up on the investigation, putting together appropriate messaging for clients and employees. Yeah, I think that's right. I I, I would add also that you know, I think from a company leadership standpoint, um, oftentimes when we do warrants, we, we uh, will sort of advise that uh, non-essential personnel are allowed to go home during that day, that essentially the government's going to be there to do the warrant, to collect the information that it needs. It's going to be very disruptive and in some cases, uh, you know, upsetting to some people. And the, the common practice is for the company to agree and uh, to allow their employees to, to go home for the day while the government finishes its work. But I think on the back end of that, uh, company leadership uh, should be active in messaging uh, its employees about, listen, there may be issues with the government. This is something we're working through. Uh, the company's not, uh, you know, there's, there's not going to be a shutdown. You're not in any legal, uh, you know, danger at this time. And this is the plan coming forward. You should show back up at, you know, whatever time, eight o'clock, whatever's appropriate and when you want to restart your operation. So, you know, it can be unnerving to employees that work for for companies. And I think uh, to the extent that uh, the companies can put a plan together on uh, how it is they want to message their employees, that can ease a lot of angst um, for the companies and allow them to get back to what they do. Very helpful advice. Thank you for joining us with this episode of The Legal Download. 
More episodes on investigations can be found at www.kellydry.com or wherever quality podcasts are found. There you'll also find more information on Jamie's practice and links to helpful materials to help you and your company get your day of plan together for responding to search warrants. Learn more about Mark's work and the Poll Group, LLC, at the Poll Group, that's P-O-H-L group.com, or at the Poll Group on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. For additional me. information on this and other topics, please visit kellydry.com. Kelly Dry has podcasts available through your podcast provider.